What's kicking chickens? Welcome back to Can We Fix It? I am your host, Maura Walsh, joined as always by my lovely and talented co-host, Jennifer the Vulpinator Douglas. How are you today, my love? I'm wonderful. I'm lazy today. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a kimono club kind of day. Um, it is. So... We appreciate everybody's feedback from the last episode. Um, I am a little worried that we may have peaked. Um, That was the funnest episode to film. That was the funnest episode. uh, I'm sorry, to record. That was the funnest episode um, to present to you guys. We got a lot of feedback that you really enjoyed what a group of wandering weirdos we were, and we appreciate that. Um, But we also got a little bit of feedback that uh, I believe the quote was, you needed a PhD in roadie Twitter in order to decode this particular episode. And we get that. And we get that. And somebody else said that it was like their first time listening to the pod was that episode. And I was like, oh, baby, no. Oh, no. Oh, baby, no. Definitely like a graduate level episode. Yes. So I feel like we should give everybody um, like a like a cheat sheet uh, for last week's episode Um, for any of the references that you guys may not have gotten. um, Starting first and foremost with our guests. So Jason Royas used to be uh, one half of Can We Fix It uh, back in the early days and um, began helping out as the campaign manager for the candidate Gonzalo Cuervo, who's running for Providence mayor. Um, And so told me that he needed to uh, not swear as much on the podcast, which led me to fucking firing his ass because in what world would we swear less on this podcast? My mother has begged me. Our listeners have begged us. I had a literal priest who was like, I want to listen to your show, but I can't. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get that. Like, we're just, we're not going to stop. All right. So I fired his ass. Um, like Donald Trump style, you fired. Um, and, and that was how the lovely, uh, relationship between the Vulpinator and I developed was that she became my new co-host. Um, which by the way, it was determined to be a lie that he had to stop swearing so much. Gonzalo never asked him to. No, he just thought he needed to be more like professional, which fucking might've been, uh, might've been a position to hold when you were my campaign manager, asshole. The fuck? Yeah, oh, now you're Gonzalo's manager and like, oh, I really got to button this shit down. I'm a professional. What the fuck? Well, then what the fuck were we doing, Jason? Jesus. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was also uh, mentioned a couple of times in the podcast that Jason was my campaign manager during the one campaign that I lost. So do with that information what you will. Um, and he also uh, notoriously helped get Barbara Ann Fenton Fung elected, who was uh, who is Alan Fung's wife and was the person who ran against and ultimately defeated uh, Speaker Nicholas Mattiello. Um, that is why we lovingly refer to him as the Machiavellian party uh as in the end, justifies the means because that boy means to get rid of all the corrupt establishment politicians and he does not give a fuck how he gets there. Um, For other listeners of the show, uh, you may have recognized another former guest, Jackie Goldman. Um, Jen, you know Jackie from the co-op. Yes, Jackie is 
one of my favorite people in the entire universe. They are running for city council in, is it Ward 5? I believe it is. In Providence uh, against Joanne Ryan. So they're also one of my favorite people for running against Joanne Ryan, who is just a terrible city councilor in general. Um, Jackie's going to bring a whole heck of a lot of great energy to that position. So I, I really like having Jackie on there. Um, and as we mentioned, and we had them on, what, what did we talk about with Jackie on, on, on their episode? When uh, they came on? I almost, they came on during the Lieutenant governor resumes. <laughs> That's what it was. Yes. It was really good. And they were straight up fucking hilarious. Like I was almost angry that some of their lines were like funnier than ones I had written specifically for the episode. I was like, fuck you. That was off the cuff. How dare you? Um, but uh, one of the things that I thought was funniest about Jackie during the last episode was that like, she was the least parodied version of herself. Like, I don't know that she would ever actually eat a human being. I think that's probably the one part where it went like a little far. But other than that, like everything they said, I don't, I definitely didn't notice a lot of the parody. I think Jeff Levy was right when he said that they were the mole and that everybody else was playing a parody of themselves except for Jackie. Um, and then our 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 uh, third guest, Jeff Levy, who oh we love dearly, um, is the uh, husband of former. Uh, is she former yet? Uh... Has the new person been sworn in? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think Gail's going to be there when they reconvene in January. So I guess technically, yeah. Okay, so former Senator Golden, um, who was the? Uh, oh well, yeah, because now Sam Zurier's in, right? Even this... though I don't know if he's been sworn in yet, so I don't know. Yeah, so well, uh, say former. She's the senator for District Three. She got brought up to the major leagues. We have had her husband on twice now, and each time I assume that he sleeps on the couch after the episode is done airing, um, because the giant uh... elephant trunk. In the room. And I don't know how we can even say this delicately. Guys, there's a picture going around of the new senator for District 3. Um, seems like a normal enough photo. He's standing in a pair of khakis and a button down with a tie. Looking like a goofy ass white man. And I'm not sure. Edited or not. It sure doesn't seem like it's edited. It sure seems like. Sam Zurier won the race because he was the only one bringing big dick energy to the table. Um, That's all we're going to say. Is it? Is it? Because, Jen, like, this meme has haunted my fucking dreams. Like, I wanted to make it the thumbnail for the last episode, but no. Everybody was like, he's a sitting senator, and that's inappropriate. And I was like, yeah, no, fine. But just, like, the fact that this ended up in my inbox and that I was not then allowed to just share it with the whole rest. Like, this has been, like, burning a hole in my brain for the last fucking week. Just, like... the subject of multiple group chats for a while. I mean, understandably so! Dude was, like... I am worried for his wife. I'm genuinely, I'm worried for his wife. She just, that's, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. There's a thing is too much and that's too much, sir. Put it away. Wear some baggier pants. Nobody wants to see all that. All right. They were, they were 
I know they were so baggy, but that's what freaks me out, man. How fucking giant is this hog? That even with those like pants that were seven to sizes too no, big. Full outline. I felt like there should have been a blur on it, like a big black box of just like it felt like I was looking at an inappropriate photo. Like he should not have allowed that to be posted with that kind of fucking filth across my screen. I'm very, I'm a very delicate flower. You can't scare me with these things. We do not khaki shame here. We don't khaki shame here, but Jesus Christ, bro, from the from the neck up, from now on, Sam, from the neck up. Otherwise, I can't fucking talk to you, sir. <laughs> Eyes up. Eyes up. My eyes are up here, Mora. Eyes up, motherfucker. Come on. This, you know what? This feels good after, like, the, you know, decades of, like, unwanted sexual attention that I've gotten as a semi-cute woman. Um, it's nice to be able to throw it back on onto men. How do you like the unadulterated female gaze? Not cute, right? Nobody wants that? Cool. I'm glad we I'm glad we could establish that nobody enjoys this. Um, although that does kind of remind me of when uh when Representative Jared Nunes was retiring. Um, everybody got up and was just talking about how hot his wife was. I guess he was married to like Miss New Hampshire or something. But like four or five dudes in a row were just like, oh, and you're gonna go home and spend so much more time with your wife. That'll be good. That'll be nice. See a nice wife, right? And then one female rep stood up and was like, I just want to say that I'm going to miss him. He's been like my eye candy for all the years that he's been here. And I was like, yes, bitch. Yes. Fucking. And everybody was like, wow, that was awkward. And I was like, was it though? Because the last 15 dudes basically were trying to fuck his wife. And she's the only one to be like, I think you're hot, Jared. I think you're hot. All on your own. All right, here, you're all gross. Exactly, they're all gross. You're all gross. Uh, Let's move to a different kind of gross, okay? And talk about the Democratic Party dropping the ball, always, forever, never not dropping the ball. So, um, once again, uh, the news has been highly focused on uh, co-op candidates, their views from last week, their views from last decade, um, where they ate breakfast this morning, what color their underwear are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, not as much attention being paid to the fact that we have five times the amount of homeless people in Rhode Island since the start of COVID, and we still haven't spent our APRA funds. So, so glad that we could do 45 op-eds about how progressives are better than this, you guys. And the co-op is, like, so mean, and they're not cooperative. But, like, Dan McKee is over here throwing millions of dollars at his literal buddies and doesn't have the fucking time to organize some kind of mechanism by which to spend the millions of dollars that the federal government gave us to, I don't know, assist with this fucking emergency? Yeah, winter's coming, everyone. Let's house some people. Like, God God forbid we have a conversation. And, like, I appreciate that once every three weeks, Kathy Gregg tweets that we still haven't spent the APRA funds. But, like, why are we not holding these people's feet to the flames. I am so glad that everybody is doing their own personal vetting and opposition research on every single co-op candidate. We would hate to have 
like a woman or a woman of color or like a, a person who's exhibited growth in the last few years escape an opportunity to be chastised by the rich white liberal elite. Um, but if we could maybe use like a little bit of that energy focusing on the people who are, you know, currently in fucking power, who are doing nothing with that power, Regenberg, that'd be great. If we could spend a little more of our energy and attention, Aaron, on the actual governor of the state, um, who actually has the authority to be spending this money, instead of spending every waking moment you have shitting on the women and the trans people and the candidates of color in the co-op, we get it. You're sad. You can't be the lieutenant governor. Nobody's going to vote for a white man when there are two badass Latina women running. It sucks. It's not anybody's fault. Nobody did this to you. You need to stop lashing out like a little bitch bitch. Now that we have that covered, let us move on to the fact that Regenberg decided to quit Twitter. Uh, it was for about 45 minutes. It was a glorious 45 minutes, but it didn't last very long. Basically, what happened was uh, Regenberg tweeted about Lieutenant Governor candidate Cynthia Mendes um, and, you know, jumped on the bandwagon of all the people who would notice that she had not always been pro-choice. Uh, newsflash, I also have not always been pro-choice. I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school. Uh, I didn't go to college. Not really sure where I was supposed to learn that abortion was a right and not a sin. I'm guessing fucking band camp. I have no idea. Um, but in Aaron's effort to, you know, once again, shit on a woman with dreams, um, there was this kind of weird shift on Twitter where everybody just kind of decided that they were done holding their garbage Aaron stories back. And I definitely get this because, um, you know, I've always had some issues with Regenberg, but he is, he's always been very well loved by both the voters and the politicos. And so it's really hard to ever say, hey, he did something that really upset me because nobody would ever fucking believe you. Um, so I think kind of what happened was enough people on Twitter were angry with him that people started to feel like there was a tipping point and started sharing these stories that they had held on to for a really long time. Um, and we, well, I think we all got tired of like never being able to make a fucking mistake. I mean, everybody in their lot, not all of us are fucking perfect. I'm not fucking perfect. I've made all sorts of like missteps and had really stupidly held beliefs in my life. And I'd hate to be judged on those, you know, you know, 15, 10 years later, even five years later, I've had stupidly held beliefs and I'm really glad I changed them, but I would not want to be held accountable for them or be told that I'm a horrible person for them. Right. And this I've changed them and grown. And I think a lot of other people are tired of being told that like, they're not allowed to grow and change either, or they're going to be held accountable for the rest of their lives for, for it. Or else, what's the point of growing and changing? Right. I'll just, if you're always going to consider me an asshole with those beliefs, why wouldn't I always just be an asshole with those beliefs? Like, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So if Aaron 
really and truly believed that he had never done anything wrong, it would have been absolutely okay for him to cast that stone. Unfortunately, judging by the reception that it received on Twitter, uh, he's made plenty of mistakes in his life that all came back to bite him in the ass. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, it was, uh, brought to light on Twitter that as, you know, the hardworking, scrappy, hungry, progressive he is, the dedicated labor, um, warrior, he doesn't fucking tip, which like, ooh, ooh, and this is not a one-off, this is like multiple people being like, hi, I served this person breakfast for every day for 10 years and he never tipped me um also uh was told a story of like he wanted to speak at an organization and he was told that he was not a member of the organization uh and therefore couldn't speak so he took ten dollars out of his wallet and threw it at the person and said there i'm a member now um just like fucking nailing it nailing it um in terms of like the the quality of stories that were coming out and then within like two hours home dude goes up on his twitter and is just like um i'm gonna delete twitter off of my phone because like i have to focus on my baby and school and stuff and bye um which is a very interesting way to say you guys are being really mean to me i can't read this anymore because i can't read through the tears um but you know do your thing um, and I, again, I just, <sighs> karma's a bitch. And if I'm very well behaved, God will let me watch. And I personally love it when karma just comes back in the exact way, you know, of just like Aaron has been for weeks on Twitter, just shit talking women. Just, it was, it was, it was very, it was very sad. Um, I feel very much like the loft and Longo thing. Not that, Aaron has stolen campaign funds. Let me be clear. I don't think that Aaron has done anything illegal. I just feel let down. Um, I always believed him when he said that he was a champion for workers. I always believed him when he said that he cared about getting women and women of color elected. Um, And then to see him be given the opportunity to uplift women and uplift people of color and to uplift um, the laborers who, you know, suffered this pandemic more than anybody else. Um, Mm. And to find out that all of that was just talk hurts. I thought it was interesting. I thought he was supportive of Tarshir, too, who was in the co-op. Because I thought that he was supportive of that group. It's her time when she was running as that group for Pawtucket City Council. And I didn't hear him support her at all when there was pushback on her. It seems like Um, he kind of, it seems like he cares more about hating Matt Brown than he does about helping women of color. You know what I mean? Like, the entire co-op could be 100% women of color and Matt Brown, and he would still say, fuck the co-op, because he's got personal beef with Matt Brown, and that supersedes any desire to get women elected, any desire to get progressive policies pushed, things like that. Yeah. It's sad. It is really sad, but it's also like, you know, if you stay long enough, you'll watch yourself go from the hero to the villain. Um, Not that... uh, not that that's something that doesn't happen to people in our wing of the party too. I mean, looking at you, Brandon, um, there, there, there's plenty of examples of people who speak their values, but don't live them. But it's just, 
it's hard for me when I bought it hook, line, and sinker. You know what I mean? And then to see this kind of behavior uh, during these really important election cycles is just like, oh, oh, so you were like entirely full of shit. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, but it's not just the progressives, uh, Democrats that are um, shitting their pants and fucking things up six ways from Sunday. Um, the beloved daddy Democrat, um, who we hear from, you know, once every couple of weeks when Kate Coyne McCoy has something sassy to say. Um, I love that this bitch deleted her Twitter after wishing death on Lindsey Graham and making it to national news, but still won't shut the fuck up. And so her solution is that she just like Donald Trump's it essentially. And like from the desk of Kate Coyne McCoy and like types up a press release and takes a fucking photo of it and has some underlings send it out on Twitter. Um, uh, so that she can still be certain that her garbage opinions are being heard, you know, statewide. Um, so she just pulled some weird, weird shit this time, you guys. Basically, she sent like a cease and desist letter to the Democratic Women's Caucus saying yes. like, hi, um... I see that you call yourselves the Democratic Women's Caucus. Um, we kind of like own the word Democrat. So if you could like stop using that, that would be like awesome. Or else we'll like sue you. Okay, my it was just like the dumbest, most like petty high school bullshit. It's like mm, you can't name that because like I already picked that name. So. Um, and I for one was deeply confused because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of fucking organizations that use the word democratic that are not technically associated with the democratic party, right? Like the democratic socialists of Rhode Island or like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I'm sure that they're going to take super kindly to that email. I'm sure that they'll handle that right away, Kate. Um, but it was just weird that it was the women's caucus that she wants. What is up with everybody deciding that like women these women have had it too good for too fucking long, and somebody needs to put them back in their place. Like, is that exactly. what happened this, this month? Us. Where everybody was just like, listen, I know that there's a lot of men fucking stuff up, but there's a lot of women that are trying to get power, and I don't like that shit. We gotta nip that in the bud. Um, and, and to be clear, too, we were the only ones to get this email. No other organization with Democratic in their name received this email it's just us and it was an email it was an e it, oh it was a letter i don't know if it was a letter or an email but they sent it to sam weiser the um executive uh director of our of our caucus so what <laughs> so what was your response <laughs> so here this was this was one of the things we referenced in our last um episode uh which may have caused some confusion with people. So Kate sent us this letter and our response was, what the fuck? So we mulled it over for a little while. And along with, you know, this letter saying, don't, don't use the name democratic. It also referenced this obscure law, which threatened us with a, a misdemeanor and up to six months in prison for continuing. To All of you. <laughs> Yes. The entire so, women's caucus is in jail for six months. So, so yeah, so we, we could, we were potentially facing six months in prison for continuing to use the name democratic in our caucus. So we contacted the ACLU who rep, who 
offer to represent us should, you know, the, the matter go into criminal proceedings. They kindly sent a letter to Peter Nerona, the attorney general, and said, we don't know if you understand what is happening right now, but there has been a letter sent to the Women's Caucus from the state Democratic Party um, threatening these women with um, criminal action, with a criminal suit if they continue to use the word democratic in their name. And we kindly received a letter back from Attorney General Nerona stating that our office likes to concentrate on matters such as, I don't know, child abuse, <laughs> molestation, true criminal activities such as money laundering. And we don't usually concentrate on frivolous criminal activity such as this. So should this matter come to our office, we will decline to become involved. <laughs> so basically told the Democratic Party to fuck off should um, they want to proceed in the matter. So luckily we are in the free and clear to continue using the name Democratic, you know, in the Women's Caucus name. So, so, so what you're saying is that the Rhode Island Democratic Party does not have the authority to own the word Democratic? Who would have thought? That's so weird. Um, that's so weird. And the fact that the punishment is jail time is fucking hilarious to me. Like, exactly. what are you in here for? Murder? What are you in here for? Call myself a Democrat without permission. Like, yeah, oh. I used a word. Oh, okay. I used a word. Oh, Good man, you're God. badass. Kate, as What's always, as always proving that you are just earning every dollar of that $108,000 a year salary, you fucking melting and, witch. Jesus and Christ. the best part of it of all, too, was Steve Alquist reached out to Oh, yes, to yes, I forgot about, about this. It. So Steve Alquist reached out to Kate Coy McCoy during all of this to ask her about the brouhaha that was brewing. And Kate said, how did you hear about this? And Steve said, well, the Women's Caucus put out a press release talking about it. And she said, they made this public. And he said, well, yes, you threatened them with jail time. And she said, I thought this was going to be handled privately. That's how they want to play this? <laughs> All right, fine. I guess if that's how they want to handle it, that's how we're going to handle it. And then pretty much put an end to the conversation. What so, the yes, fuck? That's how we wanted to handle it. Because when you send us a letter threatening us... With threatening a pregnant woman with time, jail time? Yeah, we weirdly want to tell people. We're going to make it public. Jesus. She's like, you want to play like... I'll play like Lionel Richie all night long, bitch. All night long. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I don't know why we're fighting. I'm very confused. I wonder if she's being directed to do this stuff or if this is just like what pops to the top of her head. Like, I wonder if she's, I like, left alone. she did this on her own. I, I cannot. I don't know, dude. I she's can't. mad weird. She's mad fucking weird. And I personally would not be surprised if she has the authority to just run the fucking Democratic Party and this is how she's doing it. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm going to say this one with my gut. I do not think she did this one herself. Yeah, well, she definitely didn't look up her own law. Oh, my God, that would take way too long. Um, yeah. 
So we've got a couple more uh, decoder uh, things to clear up. Um, this one actually works because during our back to the races on the governor's race, we did not include Helena Fox because she had not yet announced. Um, right. As we mentioned during the last episode, this is going to be a real Sophie's choice for the fucking Democratic Party uh, <laughs> because she is a fucking millionaire. But Dan McKee has a penis. And so it's like, what are you fucking... She's a woman with the money. I know. That's like a, that's a, I'm very curious to see what, um, what the, what the damn party does in all this. Um, what do you think her odds are? I mean, I think that uh, she came out at a really stupid time after everybody and their mother was like boycotting CVS and talking about how much CVS sucks a bag of dicks. And then she was like, Hey, CVS personified here. How's it going? Yeah. I just don't know. I, I mean, this is weird shit, man. This was, this was, some, A, you're right, really strange timing. And, uh, I mean, she could have, she has so much money. She could have waited till next year when all of this died down. Waited till January, February, been like a fresh new face. Totally avoided all of this weird negativity backlash stuff and just kind of like, come out all fresh and clean i think she made a really weird decision doing this now so i don't know i i mean i wouldn't vote for her anyway i think that she's a terrible choice but i i don't know dude this fucking this governor's race is turning into a goddamn nightmare and i feel like i should take the opportunity to uh lodge a little correction hidden 30 minutes into the 40 minute episode um so I had said of Blake Philby running for governor, who the fuck asked for this? <laughs> who wanted this? Good one. Why would anybody want or ask for this? Um, and just like, just no, just this is, this is answering a question that nobody had. Um, as many of you know, I am friends with Blake and I got, a, he was very salty with me. And I got a message that was like, who asked for this, Maura? Who asked for this? Who asked for this? And then proceeded to send me a screenshot of a text message that I had sent him like maybe a month and a half or two months ago where like a sixth person had announced in uh, the primary against Dan McKee and Blake said, you just watch, they're going to eat each other in alive in the primary. And then Dan is going to go uncontested in the general. And I was like, you know what you're talking about. But then like 45 fucking candidates came out of the woodwork and like, I am governor. No, I am governor. And I was like, Oh Jesus Christ, Blake, you're right. You have to fucking run. If he runs unopposed in the general, I will fucking kill myself. Like I can't. It turns out, you guys, that it te- was you. Technically, I was the one who asked for this. I don't know. It was coming from inside the house. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, like, you know, we always hold people accountable and we always shit talk people when they do something wrong, but we always want to call people out when they do something right. And boo boo, you were doing it right. Keep. Um, And our final topic, and it came up a little bit in the last episode, it's come up a fuck ton on Twitter, and it's something that I feel like is really simple, but it seems like a lot of people on the internet are 
either being willfully ignorant or like having a hard time understanding um, the co-op model. So Jen, why don't we go ahead and explain the difference between you, a co-op candidate, and me, a co-op alumni. As a co-op candidate, what do you do for the co-op? Um, well, as a candidate, it's more like what the co-op does for me. Well, no, but I mean you pay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I do. I pay dues to the co-op, and I also attend co-op meetings where we hammer out our policies, which is our platforms that we run on and our policies such as you know, how we feel about housing and uh, basic minimum wage and environmentalism and a whole, you know, a whole platform that we run on. And I definitely recall from those meetings that those were like long, in-depth policy conversations with like a lot of um, in the weeds kind of conversations and a lot of disagreement, if I'm being honest, right? Like we, it wasn't just like, this is what we're doing and we're all signing on, but there was like definitely like hours worth of discussion about whether we all agreed with the policy and blah, blah, blah. We're talking five, six hour long meetings on one policy. Which like not to be a dick, I sometimes was like annoyed with. A lot of discussion. You know, like sometimes I was annoyed with where I was just like, listen, be on board or don't be in the fucking co-op. Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm like that though. Like the co-op is not a party. It's a fucking club. And like if you want to be part of the club, you follow the fucking rules. Like I I thought that they could have been a little more heavy handed with that. But I'm also, you know, very dictatory. We know this from my show. Right. I, but I mean we'll argue over not argue, but we'll debate over gosh, something is as minimal as i don't know 50 cents compared to 75 cents when it comes to minimum wage or you know it like really we get we get tight when yeah. it comes to things or i mean it's it's a lot you know it, it really really is it it becomes a lot but it's it's worthwhile i think it's really really worthwhile and we also spend a lot of time getting to know each other and getting to know the reasons why we're running and our background stories and, and why we do what we do and, and why we're invested in our communities. It, it, it develops a lot of trust between all of us. Mm. So we know that we'll always kind of have each other's backs when we're working together. And, and I don't know, I think that trust is really important when it comes to, establishing relationships with each other and and working together i i don't know it 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 does develop a lot of love and And what is friendships and i think it's important and what does the co-op do for you well um pretty much everything and this is why you know people are like oh the co-op they're awful but you know i'm a single mom i have two kids i work full time and i don't have time to run a campaign i just i don't and I ran a campaign by myself in 2018, and I was a fucking mess. I was scattered. It was terrible. And with the co-op, it's like I get a campaign manager. I get a field coordinator. They take care of sending out my fundraising emails. They set up fundraisers for me. They set up phone banks for me. They send volunteers down every weekend to knock doors for me. They they find my volunteers for me. They get them to my house for me. They also make sure my volunteers are coming. They make all my volunteer phone calls for me. They hound my volunteers to get them to my house for me. Like, I don't have to do any of that. 
I don't have to call anyone. I don't have to make sure they're coming anywhere. They make sure somebody's at my house every weekend to give the turfs to my volunteers and make sure they get out and start knocking doors. Um, they make sure I have a mailer ready. They, they, they design my mailers. They cut the, the list for my mailers. They get it to the guy who's going to send out my mailers. You know, yeah. all I do is just, it's everything. Like they just make sure every, all the details are taken care of. So I don't have to worry about it. And all you do I mean, is knock. I do a lot of work. I knock all the doors myself. I'm out there with my volunteers. I'm feeding my volunteers. I'm taking care of my volunteers. My house is open to my volunteers. I'm going to events. I'm hosting events. I'm I'm at things every single night. I'm I'm doing everything along with them. But all of the major details that I have to keep track of. I don't have to do that. I'm not like cutting turf and crying at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, somebody else is doing that for me. Yeah. And honestly, it's what the party would be doing for you if they wanted to grow their numbers and not uh, alienate people. Um, right. Which I, never happened for me ever. Right. I joined the co-op um, as an incumbent who knew that she was not going to get dick from the Democratic Party. Um, and normally when you're an incumbent, the party would provide you with, as you said, volunteers, fundraising lists, fundraising emails. Um, now we're going to hang on. We're going to add a step. We're going to add a step. Okay. A couple oh, go ahead. things too. Like my mailers, I pay for my own mailers. Those aren't covered by my co-op dues. Like I pay who the guy who prints my mailers. I pay for those. Correct. Like I, I, that's something separate. Like the co-op doesn't do in-house mailers. Right. But you don't pay extra. Janine's house. You don't pay extra to have somebody at the co-op design your mailer. Right. Like that's rolled into like, your dues. Yeah. Right. Um. So, so now that we have that covered. Okay. So she pays for the co-op. And now again, the co-op does not print her mailers. Janine does not have a printer at home. Print and union mailers. Okay. She pays them to design it. Okay. And then she pays a printer to print it. All right, I'm glad. Now we're going to add one extra step, okay? Matt Brown and mm -hmm. Cynthia Mendes, okay? Now this is, you guys, it's going to get so complicated. Follow along, okay? Matt Brown is on the board of the co-op. Correct. Meaning he helped establish the co-op. He is on the board of chairs or whatever that helped make the the. Uh, functional decisions to run the actual organization side. Matt Correct. Brown does not pay dues to the co-op. Correct. And Matt Brown does not receive help from the co-op. Correct. Cool. Cynthia Mendes does not pay dues to the co-op. Correct. And does not receive volunteers, emailing lists, fundraisers, campaign managers from the co-op. Correct. Correct. Cool. So the people who pay for the co-op get things back from the co-op. And the people yes. who don't pay for the co-op are just friends with the co-op. Okay? I'm an yeah. alumni. I'm a buddy. I'm part of the co-op family. If any one of those co-op people calls me and needs help because their tire's flat, I got you, boo-boo. I got you all day. I will not be receiving volunteers at my door this weekend. Okay, I hope that this has been clear for you guys. I hope you understand 
What the difference is between somebody who is a member of the co-op and somebody who's an alumni or running alongside or things of that nature. Okay. I'm so glad that we could, I know that we're going to have 55 more arguments about this on Twitter because you guys are, I can't tell if you're just playing dumb or if you're actually this dumb, but either way, I am happy to explain this to you every day until the fucking primaries, if that's what needs to happen. I'm really glad we did this because I didn't realize that there was a um, a problem with this. There's oh my god, dude! Judge Judge Erickson blocked me on Twitter because I oh, suggested I that maybe that. he was a dumbass if he didn't understand it, and that it had nothing to do with it being complicated. It had to do with him being a dumbass. Um, he I forgot about that. was he yeah. thought that was very not fair. Um, I think a lot of it got cleared up since then, but then again, who knows? Right. I mean, again, it's it's hard to tell when these people are being willfully ignorant. And it's not like they actually don't understand. You know what I mean? So every time you think like, no, they finally got it. Now, like, no, they got it before. They got it before. They're just trying to make it look complicated so that they can say that it's nefarious. Which, okay, mm-hmm. do your thing. Um, guys, we are out of time. I just looked down. We've got like 30 seconds before this fucking recording shuts off on us. Um, Jen, you got any plugs? No, nothing. Oh, word. Um... I hope that this episode was helpful in explaining all of the inside jokes and the uh, the roadie PhD and uh, roadie Twitter that y'all needed. Um, in the <laughs> meantime, stay safe, wash your hands, get your booster, and go be a good neighbor, even if that neighbor is a member of the co-op. <laughs>